Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. We'll be studying the Word of God that we find at the end of the Book of Common Prayer in the Daily Office Lectionary. There's actually a Sunday Lectionary, so our services find scripture readings on a week-to-week basis, and we are in the season of Epiphany right now. Remember, we started with Advent, and then we went to Christmas, and now we are in the season of Epiphany. Now, what is Epiphany? That's not a name that's commonly known. Epiphany, as I said last week, when we were studying Epiphany, which is found on January the 6th, we were looking at scriptures from January the 6th to January the 12th. Epiphany is the appearing of Jesus. Now, why does Jesus need to appear? Well, he needs to appear so that he can share his message. This is why he came. So in Advent, we are waiting for his coming. In Christmas time, he comes, and Epiphany, he appears. Well, at what age? Well, actually, we fast forward to about 30 years old. His ministry covers a span of about three years in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are our four Gospels. And he appears to mostly Jewish people, but sometimes to Gentiles. And in the book of Acts, we will later see that that mission is expanded to the Gentiles significantly through the work of Paul. This is why when we look at the second part of our study, the first part being Old Testament, second part being New Testament, third part being the gospel, we will be looking at the letters of Paul. Now, let's look at our week of first epiphany readings. You'll see those on your podcast. They're listed for you from Sunday to Saturday. And notice that we are beginning in Genesis. Isn't that interesting? We begin in Genesis and look at several scriptures through chapter 6 of Genesis. Then we go to Hebrews. Now, last week, if you remember, we were in Colossians. Now we are in Hebrews. Now, Paul did not write Hebrews, we do not think. We do not know who exactly wrote Hebrews, but it is a phenomenal, phenomenal, great um, letter that the church has said yes to in the canon. And then thirdly, in our gospel reading, remember last week we were looking at John. We're going to look at John this week, but we're going to look at the earlier chapters, chapters 1 and 2, whereas last week we looked at chapter 6 and 7 and 8 and 10 and 14 and 15. It's almost like we're starting from the beginning. So in the first epiphany, as Jesus begins his ministry by being baptized by John in the Jordan. We see that in John chapter 1, in Mark chapter 1. We see this in Matthew chapter 3, and in Luke chapter 3. We see the baptism of Jesus, so he begins his ministry. We'll come back to that in a minute. All right, let's begin with Genesis. Well, we start right at the beginning, the famous first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I'm sure you know the first chapter quite well. He creates everything in seven days, six days. He rests on the seventh. Then we have the very famous important scripture, very significant, Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So God is the maker of heaven and earth, and he is also our maker. In chapter 2, verse 7, 
The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You and I are alive because of the power of God. You and I are made in the image and likeness of God. And so in chapter 1, in chapter 2, we see the creation. Now, we also have the institution of marriage in chapter 2, verses 15 to 25. Jesus quotes it later on in Mark. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Verse 15, he was a steward of his property. The Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of it, you shall surely die. So this is the very famous injunction that we'll see in chapter 3 on Tuesday where God and man had this wonderful relationship together and the Garden of Eden was a fabulous place. Basically, God said, you can eat from anything, just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you will die. Well, as we'll see, he dies because he eats of it. The Lord God said in verse 18 of chapter 2, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so Eve came out of Adam. Adam had a deep sleep. God took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh, made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman. She was taken out of man. For this reason, verse 24, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. They were both naked and they felt no shame. Uh, guess what happens when the serpent comes in chapter 3, a very, very famous text, very famous chapter, and they sinned against God. They wanted wisdom. They wanted independence from God. God looks for Adam. Where are you? And he says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Was not supposed to eat from that tree, but he does. Disaster comes upon Adam and Eve at this point, and to the serpent who beguiled them, who deceived them, and they are cursed. But God does not kill them. If he kills them, it's over, but he doesn't. He puts an angel at the garden so that they could not go, not go back to the garden but there are some very strong words against Satan, who happens to be the serpent, Adam and Eve. And so they live. They had it all going well. They rebelled against God. Remember I said last week in Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 3, they're the rules, they're commandments. Do this, don't do this. They didn't do what God told them to do, and they paid the price. In chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel and my brother's keepers, a fam very famous line of chapter 4. And as you know, Cain slew his brother Abel. And what a disaster. Now we have our first murder and everything kind of goes, if you will, goes south from there. Lots of problems with Cain and Abel. And we see the continuation of their woes or the woes upon man in chapter 6 with Something you've probably heard of before, the flood. So in these first several chapters, we've got the creation, we've got God making us, we've got the formation of all the beautiful things that God has given us in his creation. We've got 
uh, the union of Adam and Eve together uh, in God Almighty. Eve taken out of Adam, they become one flesh. We have the institution of marriage there. Uh, we have the beautiful injunction by God that says you can eat from any tree except that one in the middle of the garden, the knowledge of tree of good and evil. He eats it. The serpent deceives Eve, and they both partake of the fruit. God questions them and then casts them out of the garden. And the children, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel. And then we have the flood in chapter 6, and of course the great Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. The earth was corrupt in God's sight, full of violence. The people of the earth had corrupted their ways. They did not follow the Lord. They did not do what he said. They were very, very wicked, and God desires to wipe them out. And as we'll see when we look at the flood in more detail, we see that the flood covers the earth, a very, very well-known story. Noah and his family are saved in the ark. So we have Hebrews chapter 1, in the past. I love the first four verses. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. So we have the introduction right at the beginning of Jesus Christ being the greatest person of all time, the greatest person in the universe. He actually creates the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he begins by laying out this beautiful, um, thunderous, if you will, words of affirmation of how great Christ is. Now what's going to happen in Hebrews is that the writer is going to share with us how much greater Jesus is than what has preceded him in the Israelite culture and tradition and religion. He's going to see how much greater Jesus is than Moses, for example, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God has. So as you go through Hebrews 1 and 2, how should we escape verse 3 of chapter 2 if we ignore such a great salvation? God also testified to, to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This great salvation that Christ has given us and God has verified. So Jesus is exalted in chapter 2 in joy, in joy. Look at the end of verse 17 of chapter 2. That he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus takes care of us who are being tempted. He knows what it means to be tempted. He overcame all temptation. He never sinned against God, his Father, and he's able to help us at the same time making atonement for the sins of the world. In chapter 3, remember I was telling you about Moses. Holy brothers who share in their heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. And he begins to share about unbelief. He talks about Moses, but Moses was no match for Jesus. Jesus is a far greater person and has a far greater ministry and efficacy in what he did. What Jesus accomplished is one time for all time. 
in chapter 4, which concludes our week together, chapter 4, 1 through 13. Again, you see that in your, on the podcast, we have a listing of all the days and the listing of all the scriptures for the week in case you don't know where those are and you don't know what to read. Chapter 4, I love 12 and 13. The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This is what we pray happens as we go through this word of God together, the word of God together, beginning in Genesis in this week and in uh, Hebrews and then in John. We're looking at the beginning of those important books. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to divide soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You want, that, you want the word of God to kind of pierce into your brain, into your mouth, into your mind, into your heart, into your soul, all the way through you. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. We are going to give an account to him. You want to know what you need to do. Back to Deuteronomy 8 again. You want to know what we should believe. You want to know who the Messiah is. You, you want to know what Christ has done for you. You want to know who Christ is. Back to Colossians 1, 15 to 20 from last week. You want to understand who this person is that we just read about in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4. And so the scriptures are going to give you that information. If you do these daily office lectionary readings on a daily basis, you will know significantly more than you know now regarding the word of God. Now, in John's gospel, he does not have an infancy narrative, as we saw when we celebrated our preparation for Advent and for Christmas in Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, Luke chapter 2 also, and Matthew chapter 2. But he has this wonderful prologue at the beginning, and then we have these words about John the Baptist and him saying in verse 29, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So his cousin, Jesus' cousin, John, is going to introduce John uh, and say more about John later in his book. At the beginning, John is going to say something about Jesus. All right? Once John's put into prison, Jesus is going to tell us who, a little bit more about John the Baptist, his cousin. At the beginning of, of uh, Matthew chapter 3 and Luke chapter 3, and now John chapter 1, we see that John is going to tell us about Jesus. And he does so in that first chapter. In Monday, we look at the prologue in chapter 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So this is all the way to the beginning. He has this very cosmic view and the very long view of history by starting all the way in the beginning. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, have no beginning. I know it's hard to believe this, it's hard to conceive, but there is no beginning. They have always been present. There's no beginning, and there will be no end. They exist eternally, eternally. John chapter 1, 1 to 18 on Monday, then we look at 19 to 28, on Tuesday, on Sunday, John 1, 29 to 34. So there's discussion about who John the Baptist is and what he stands for, what he believes, uh, his relationship to his cousin Jesus. We go all the way through the uh, 
first chapter when we look at the calling of Philip and Nathaniel and then changing water into wine in the first part of chapter two. So we start in Genesis chapter one, we look at the first six chapters, we go to Gen uh, Hebrews chapter one, we look at the first four chapters, we go to John chapter one, we look at that long first chapter about John the prologue, we look at John the Baptist, he responds as to whether he's Messiah or not, he says clearly not, Jesus calls his first disciples, he tells them and bids them to come and see. And then in his first miracle at Cana, he changes water into wine. I love what Mary said to the servants in verse 5, do whatever he tells you. Man, if you could live your life that way, you'd be in great shape. Just do whatever Jesus tells you. Now, how are you going to know what he tells you? Well, this is where the word of God comes in. You want to be reading the word of God. Now, what the daily office lectionary helps us with is it gives us a system for reading it on a daily basis. And what I'm doing as we start our new year together, what I'm doing is it's just giving you an overview, encouraging you to read these texts, how to read them, and what to get out of them. Just some general principles. And I hope and pray that you will enjoy the reading of the scriptures. I will pick up with you next week on the week of second uh, epiphany. We'll continue our reading of Genesis and Hebrews and the book of John. So enjoy your reading week of first epiphany jesus begins his ministry god shares with us the beginning of his ministry among us in genesis chapter one and then the writer to the hebrews looking after the death and the resurrection of christ looks at who christ is and how we should live god bless you and enjoy the readings from the daily office lectionary <music>